Hey guys, this is not gonna, you're gonna be sad that I'm asking this, but can the stage lights come down at all? And the house lights come up at all? I know that's terrible, but they're super bright. And when you have migraines, bright lights is not your friend. Well guys, um, today we are in Luke 8. And in our Empowered series, You didn't know I had that much bass in my voice, did you? (laughs) Um, In the Empowered series, we are not in Luke 8 anymore. Does anyone remember the last time we were in Luke 8? It was three years ago. So I was in Luke 8 prepping to preach on this passage, and I became extremely ill, and I've been ill for three years, and now... I am grateful to be here, getting to go back in time to talk about something that God put in my heart three years ago. Is that okay? Little did I know what he was going to have me walk through in order to be ready to preach this. So here's what happened to me. I um, got a migraine, like an extreme high-level migraine, hemiparetic, um, vision gone, uh, whole face numb, throat numb, barely could breathe, rushed to the hospital. Lori Batterman came and watched my kids because we were there for hours and hours. And I actually preached about that three years ago because the Sunday after I was feeling pretty good and I, I talked about how God took me there. There was a man dying in the ER that night and I got to pray for him and his family. Remember I talked about that? And I really felt like the Lord had moved me into that place so I could be there to intercede. And then I thought I would be better because I did the thing, right? (laughs) Yay God, yay me, let's move on. And then I ended up having, uh, basically what the neurologist said is every part of my brain is taking turns having migraines, which means my symptoms are different every time depending on the point in your brain where the migraine is. It's kind of like a circuit board. You know, you want, I'm gonna totally butcher this because I am not technically minded, but circuit board, circuit panel in your house and the, the switch flips, right? So that's what brains do with migraines and it's so you don't end up burning your house down, having a seizure or all kinds of other things, right? So your brain has this safeguard and my brain decided that was its new normal. Safeguard, 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 safeguard. So what ended up happening is I was in bed, in severe pain, very, very ill, unable to function, um, every day for about eight months. And then I started to have, like, every now and again a day where I could get out of bed. And on those days, I was so mad at God, like, so mad. (laughs) And that lasted for about two years in total. And then ever since this past summer, wouldn't you say, babe? Like this last summer, I started like being like not a shadow anymore and more and more like a human again. It's pretty exciting. Um, I am still not well. Uh, I still have severe migraines and nobody knows what's wrong. I've been to a bunch of neurologists, pain specialists, done all the scans, done, you know, tried all of the drugs. Um, I work with a naturopath and a PT therapist and a massage therapist and all of the things. So if you thought, you have you tried this? Yes, I've tried that. 
So I know you'll have all kinds of recommendations, recommendations for me. I, I've done, I've tried it. Um, and here's what else we did. We prayed our faces off. I mean, we prayed that first night in the hospital. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've said, God, have mercy. Have mercy on me. If you've ever suffered from chronic illness, you know what this is like, right? You're just begging God. And you spend a lot of time saying, what did I do? What did I do to allow the enemy to have such access into my life that I could be so sick? I asked the Lord to point out any sin. And I spent a couple of weeks actually doing this, systematically going through every section of my body that had pain and asked him, point out any sin. And he did. And I confessed them. And then I didn't get better. <laughs> and it went on and on and on. But you guys, I'm telling you, I did all the things. The Bible says when you pray, do this, do this, do this, do this, did them all. This is not my first uh, experience with chronic pain. When I was in my early 20s, I became extremely ill. Don't laugh. I had mono. And uh, I know that sounds silly, don't laugh, but I was dying of mono. That's why I'm saying don't laugh. Because it seems like a silly disease to die of, right? But I also had this mosquito disease because I'm from Australia. They coincided and my spleen was failing, my liver was failing, like everything was failing and I was dying and God touched me and instantly healed me, like miraculous, instantly, instantly healed. So I have experienced the healing power of God in my life. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, oh, will God heal? I've seen it, I've experienced it, I know it, God heals. This time he has not done that. <laughs> what about you? Do you have anything in your life where you've begged God to set you free from the suffering? and he hasn't. Do you have anything in your life like that? That's what we're gonna talk about today. What are we supposed to do when we ask God to end our suffering and he does not end it? What are we supposed to do with that? What do you think? Can we talk about that? Stay on your knees. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place to be. All right, Rich, will you pray for us? Am I on? At the very end of Hebrews chapter 11, you have the, which is commonly called the heroes of faith. It says, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, didn't receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that without us, they would not be made perfect or complete. So they're waiting. They're waiting on us. So Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We just ask that you would minister to us, that you would minister to our hearts, that you would communicate the message, and that you would grow and you would add to our faith. You would add perseverance. You would add the other fruits of the Spirit. And that you would make us, you would make us complete individually and you would let us be take our part in helping make the heroes of faith complete too as we wait for your return. We pray that you make our faith active, make our Christian lives active and real and sustainable. And we thank you for that, Father. And I just ask that you would also lift up Westminster Chapel and that they would exhibit the same growth 
and that you would transform them, transform them the same way that you're transforming us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, are you ready? You ready to dive in? Okay. Um, before we get started, I want to say that we're going to be hitting on some pretty heavy topics today, some big topics. We're going to talk about suffering, healing, prayer. We don't have time to talk about those things in entirety. It would take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about those things. What I feel like the Lord has for us today is a very specific word. So if you feel like I'm skipping past a bunch of potential scriptures, I am. I tried to put them in the sermon, and then God told me to take them out. So, because I, you know, if you know me, I love a good meaty sermon. I want to like dig into scripture and really get our word right, you know. Today it's a little different. <laughs> All right. I've asked, <coughs> excuse me, I've asked my amazing husband to read the scripture for us today, because if I read it, I will preach all the sermons I want to preach and not actually stick to the point that God wants me to talk about. So, thank you, honey. Oh, they told me to turn it on and I didn't, I didn't listen. All right, guys, I do have it on. Click. Look at that. It's like magic. Now as Jesus was returning, the people welcomed him, for they had all been expecting him. Now a man named Jairus, a synagogue official, came to him, and he fell at Jesus' feet and, beget, and began begging him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as Jesus went, the people were crowding against him, almost crushing him. Hmm. Now as and there was a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her money on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I was aware that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared, declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your personal trust and confidence in me has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the synagogue official's house came and said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not inconvenience the teacher any further. But Jesus, hearing this, answered him, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and trust in me and have faith in my ability to do this, and she will be made well. Am I clicking it the wrong way, guys? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for covering me. Guys, what an amazing story. Isn't that incredible? This lady and her extremely private, isolating suffering comes to Jesus on the same day that Jairus, a synagogue leader, did you get that? Like somebody from the synagogue was coming to Jesus for help. That's unique, right? 
her dramatic healing and very public testimony of her very private pain coincided with a moment when Jairus needed faith the most. And then he could believe when Jesus said, she's just sleeping, she's not dead. Also, if she had not stopped Jesus, would it have been just another healing, not a raising from the dead? I have no doubt that the timing of her story is perfect for what's going on in the rest of mankind. Do you feel the gravity of that? Well, that's really nice. It's nice for us that we get to see that whole story and get to go, woo, God is good. But she didn't get that perspective. For 12 years, she had no idea what was coming. She'd gone to doctors, spent all of her money. Anyone else feel that way about your chronic illness? Just take all my money. Just take it all and don't heal me at all. In fact, things were worse for her. Year after year after year after year after year after year after year. And she didn't get to know that God would do something amazing out of it. Her suffering was huge, you guys. So blood laws meant that she was unclean. It also meant that anything she sat on, touched, or people that she touched would also be made unclean. So it's a very inconvenient thing to be around somebody who's unclean. It adds effort into your day to be around somebody that's like that, okay? So probably if she was married and had kids, they would no longer have been living with her. Or maybe she lived with her parents. She couldn't have done that anymore. She could never go to temple, ever. She couldn't go to worship him. She couldn't draw close to God's presence. She couldn't bring offerings, ever. She was unclean. She was not welcome. She was cut off by her faith community, or cut off from her faith community. Also, when she went to market, she would have to tell people. So she she wasn't a leper. Lepers had to yell out in advance, unclean. Her issue, she did not have to yell out in advance. But she did have to say, I'm unclean, because if you're handing her some cabbage and your hands touch, there's a problem, right? So her interactions with society were very limited. She would have been known around town, you know, lady in the house that barely comes out, the one who is not well. Jesus was in Capernaum where she lived. It was his ministry base. We don't know this for sure, but in my anger, (laughs) I feel like Jesus was probably walking down her street a lot. It's not like she was in a remote area and Jesus happened to be there and got to heal her and he couldn't have before that. I believe there were lots of opportunities for her to be healed before now. Also, when Jesus was born, she was fine. Some point in Jesus' life, walking around on this planet, she became sick and for the 12 years that she suffered, he was alive. How I feel about it is, when Jesus started his ministry and started doing miracles, can we skip turning water into wine and can you just go straight to her house and heal her? Because her suffering was so huge, you guys, and it was God's law that isolated her. And I want God to take some responsibility for that. 
It makes me angry because I've been in so much pain and I've felt isolated and cut off. And where is he? She's amazing. I think I'm clicking it backwards. That's what's happening. Nope. <laughs> Just do it for me. Okay. So the space between those two verses, something extraordinary happens in that gap. Man, I am so fangirling over this lady. Suffering. Next thing, walking up behind Jesus, reaching out for healing. What happened between those two sentences? That day, the Spirit of God said to her, get cleaned up, get dressed, we're going out today. In another account of this story in Matthew 9, she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. How does she understand that? <laughs> Where does she get that confidence? Man, if I had suffered to 12 years, I would not have had that level of confidence. I'm just saying. <laughs> what gave her this, like, I'm going out and I'm getting healed today? If she had heard about Jesus and the ministry of what he had been doing, she would have heard that Jesus looks people in the eye and he talks to them and he reaches into their lives and he heals them, right? This is what we see Jesus doing over and over. She did not try to talk to him face to face. She just went straight for it, like, behind, if I can just touch healing. Where does somebody get that kind of faith? Are you blown away? It blows me away. I cannot wait to meet her. She knew just what to do. She beelined it to Jesus. By the way, touching a bunch of people and making them unclean, so breaking laws. She didn't tell them, unclean, 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 unclean. She didn't as she went through. She was totally under the radar, breaking the laws of God. Reached out to Jesus, making the Messiah unclean and was instantly healed. I dig people who go against the flow. Guys, there's only one explanation that I feel in my heart, and it's that she knew God. She knew Yahweh personally. Because she hadn't been at temple. She probably had not been at synagogue. I think she knew God. She knew his voice. She knew how to stay soft to his direction despite her ongoing pain. That is mysterious to me. As I was praying about this, because I've been praying about this a lot, can you tell? <laughs> this lady has been with me. She's been my mentor the past three years. I was asking God like, about her, and he gave me a glimpse of her. I have no way to verify this. This is just what I felt like the Lord showed me. Of her in heaven at the throne of God, worshiping him constantly. There is nothing in her life except him. She doesn't even care about meeting Moses or Abraham, the fathers of her people, the fathers of her faith. She doesn't even care that they're in heaven. 
She is at the throne of God. She does not regret a day of those 12 years at all. But I do, and I'm mad about it, and I'm offended that God treated her that way. So she's fine, but I have taken up an offense on her behalf. Anyone else ever done that for people? Yeah, so that's where I am. Guys, I want to be like her, but I have been struggling. And I'm a woman of faith. I have seen God move. I stand in difficult times. But this has wrecked me. I've watched my kids not have a mom. It feels... It's debilitating. I'm a shadow. I'm not a person. So in this place of grief, on one of my good days, I got super mad at God and I yelled at him. And I said to him, what kind of a loving father does this to someone, to your daughter? You would let her suffer for 12 years? Where were you? And he said to me, she was never alone. I was with her every second. And I love her. And I felt this wash of love. It's like he loves her more than all of us. Not possible, but he does. And she loves him, you guys. And I said to him, because I'm a bit of an upstart, I said, it doesn't look like love to me. It just doesn't. I'm sorry, that's nice that you say that you love her, but letting her suffer for 12 years, it's not love. And he said, the problem is, you have called suffering bad. And that defames me. It takes me off my throne. And it allows Satan to be the king of your suffering. This is very hard. This is a very hard topic to talk about. Because I'm not saying that God causes cancer, right? I'm not saying any of, any of the things that we could say right now. But we have done something that is wrecking our lives. We've called suffering bad and we've taken God out of the equation. You know, I should have asked for tissues before I got started. So if anyone has them, just throw them at me. I'm, I'm needing them. <laughs> All the ladies digging into their handbags. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you for everything, not just the tissues. All right, guys. Over here is God. He is good. All loving, all powerful, good God. Our healer, right? He is here. I have put suffering over here in the bad place. Suffering is bad. Anyone else feel the same way? Suffering is far away from God, far away. And I am desperate to get his attention. God, have mercy on me, can you hear me? I'm suffering, can you hear me? Won't you reach out and help me? I've been tricked. And I've given the enemy kingship of my suffering. 
and it's meant to be here with him. But because I call suffering bad, I can't see him in it. Does that make sense? Now, we never want our experience to determine our theology, okay? So let's talk about what the word says about this. One more thing. Today, we're taking territory back from the enemy. Okay? This is going to be a battle. It might hurt our hearts. But we've given something to Satan, and he doesn't deserve it. Okay? We're breaking the lie today, and we're taking it back. Okay? All right. We like to use the term suffering to cover all kinds of things. So can we talk about a few different things that I don't want to call suffering today? We need more words. <laughs> suffering is not enough, right? The English language is failing us today. So first of all, let's talk about something that is Satan's, temptation. Okay, James is very clear about this. Temptation is from the enemy. God says, I never tempt you, ever. Here's the other thing that we get with temptation. God's promise is you will never be tempted beyond what you can stand against, and I will give you a way out, okay? So we will encounter temptation. Jesus was tempted. Why do we think we would be exempt of that? Okay? There will be temptation. That's not the suffering we're talking about today, okay? That's something else. Consequences of sin can bring all kinds of hardship into our lives, right? You make a mistake, there's going to be fruit, you choose to live without God, you choose to do things your own way, we are not very smart, we make bad choices, and there is going to be fruit of that, yes? That's a kind of suffering, but that's not the suffering we're talking about today. Also, God promises you confess your sins to God, he's faithful to fill his promise and forgive you of your sins. Come, let's talk it over. Though your sins be scarlet, let me wash you clean as white as snow. There is an end to this if we choose it. Discipline. <laughs> God disciplines those who he loves. There are some things in our lives that are just not great, right? Behaviors, attitudes, um, patterns, addictions. There are things that hold us back from being fully free from, the, from all of the things that hold us back, right? Fully free in the Lord. There will be a time of discipline. The cool thing is that the word promises at the end of our time of discipline you will have the peaceable fruit of right living. Peace. If you've been praying for God to put peace in your life, you've signed up for discipline. Congratulations. So, <laughs> discipline. It can feel like suffering, but it's a totally other thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Trials and testing. Ooh. Sometimes God is going to test you not to make you fail, but so you can see the strength of how you will pass, right? Mm -hmm. You have been learning all these things, and he is saying, all right, let's put it to the test. Step out and see good God's goodness in your life, right? Okay, that is also not the suffering I'm talking about. So if you want to learn more about these things, James 1, James 4, Hebrews 12, Romans 8. Okay, James 1, James 4, Hebrews 12, Romans 8. Can you write that down? We should do series on these things. These are other things. Today we're not talking about those things. Today I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about suffering for no good reason. 
There just seems to be no good reason. Why was she bleeding? Had she been tempted? And that's why she was bleeding? No. Consequences of sin? Not that we know of. Jesus does not rebuke her and say, your sins have been forgiven. Stop living your sinful life. He says that to other people, right? Okay. We don't know that there's a reason and we really don't see that there was a way out. You know? This was out of her hands. Can you guys click for me again? This is the kind of suffering I'm talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. This is suffering with God present. Do you see that? You guys, sometimes we just walk through dark valleys. We just do. I don't have a why for you. I don't have an answer. What I have is we shouldn't walk through it without God. (laughs) So I don't have a why, but I have a what. I have a how. If we keep saying that suffering is bad and put ourselves... It's a trick, because we are not far from God, but we say, you're not in this, God. And the only thing that will make us feel better is for the suffering to end or the healing to come. We're just screwing our own lives over, honestly, aren't we? If the only thing that will make me feel like God loves me is that I am healed, then I am dismissing the power of God in the midst of dark times. You guys... When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Comforter. So we have a God who has named himself Comforter. Why would we be surprised that we would need comfort? I mean, (laughs) he didn't say I'm sending a God whose name is Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, Unicorns and Strawberry Fields. He didn't say that. He said, I'm sending the comforter. In the depths of pain, we experience the comforter. In Exodus, when uh, God was bringing his people out of Egypt, You guys, it's like a bait and switch. It's not, but it feels like that. Come on out of Egypt, I'm setting you free. And here we go into 40 years of wilderness. (laughs) Just have fun with that. They thought they were going to the promised land, right? They thought God's pulling us out of slavery and we're gonna be free in the promised land. The problem was they were not ready for the promised land because they still had a slavery mentality. And they went through the wilderness. Is the wilderness bad? No, it's just a wilderness, man. But in the wilderness, what did they have? They were guided by pillar of smoke in the day, pillar of fire at night. There was the tent of meeting where God's presence came and dwelled among them. He was with them, just like the valley of the shadow of death, providing for them, guiding them. You guys, I do not have a tent of meeting or a pillar of smoke and fire in my life, and I think sometimes I have more faith than those guys did because they were like, where's the cucumbers and the fish? And what? Is... And 
I'd be like, bread is falling from heaven. That's not good enough for you. We're just like them, aren't we? We're just like them. We fail to see God's goodness because we don't like pain. So because of our frail humanity, we would like to say that goodness equals no pain. Truth? Truth. My husband is weird and amazing, but do you know what he really likes? He likes when he's worked out, he likes that pain feeling. And he goes, I feel so good, my muscles are so sore. And I say, weirdo, I don't want to feel pain. I don't like working out because then it hurts. Who would want that? Apparently Josh. He loves it. But there's something inside of me that says anything that is painful is not good. If I'm in pain, it must be bad. If there is healing, it must be God. So as I was praying about this, this is what I saw. I feel like the Lord gave me a vision, and I think it's for someone here today. It might be you. When you have pain in your life, and you call it bad, and you don't see God's goodness in it at all, how do you keep walking with the Lord? How? That conflict is too big. It's too great. So we take our pain and do two things. One is box it up, close it up, stuff it away, and let's just forget it ever happened. Because that's the only way I can believe that God is good. If we just, I don't want to talk about it. Don't make me talk about it. Or we say, I don't want a God who is not good. I'm done. Just done. I'm out. Your Father God is saying to you today, you've called suffering bad and you're not experiencing my love. Let's unbox that pain. Will you bring it back to me? Will you let me be your shepherd in the dark valley? Will you let me? You will see God's goodness. presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. This has to be our declaration every day. The other problem we have is we love a good healing, man. Don't we love a good celebration story? Oh man, they were sick, we prayed for them, they were healed. Evidence of God. We love a good evidence of God, don't we? Don't you love a story with a happy ending? Man, don't you love a movie that's just like terrible and then it's all good at the end? I know some of you like sad movies. I see you. Friend, I don't like sad movies. I have enough in my own life. I do not need to add it with like theme music and stuff. I'm out. But if we think that God's best work is in his moment of miracle, healing, miracle, freedom, some big miracle that means the avoidance of pain... If we really think that that's God's best work, we are defaming him. And this world needs to see a God who is good in the midst of it all, not a God who's just good on the happy sunny days. This is the gospel. 
This is the good news. I also want to say, does God want to heal us? Yes. Both are true. But we've thrown it all out and stuck with the one thing as a really big problem. Do you hear me? You get it? Does this make sense? Okay. Because I wrote this with migraines in my life. (laughs) So if it's a bit... makes sense to me, but... You guys, God is king of all of my days. Every single one is ordained. Every one of them. I don't care what Satan throws at me. I don't care. God is my God. The end. We have to live that way, don't we? I'm going on a crazy tangent. I just feel like I should, babe. Okay, I'm going for it. Do you guys know how our brains work? We have the logic and we have the emotional. Do you guys know about this? Logic brain, they call this the reptilian brain. It's like our emotional response system. We want God to make sense. We're like, give me the logic. Explain suffering to me. My mind wants to understand how a good God could allow suffering. And you know what our emotional brain just needs? The love of God. The love of God. Do you know when my kids get hurt, they run to me and I hold them and I kiss their boo-boo? It's the best thing. They are, they're better. I'm not saying that, that God's a placebo. <laughs> but I'm saying there is something about the goodness of God in the midst of suffering that is the cure to our biggest needs. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So uh, we don't have timbrels in our church. Some churches have ladies with timbrels and men. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? Timbrels? What do you call them? Tambourines with ribbons and stuff. Okay. So it's a biblical instrument. No. It is a biblical instrument. So, <laughs> no. No. so you guys, when God brought the Hebrews through the Red Sea and He parted it and they walked on dry land, and then the chariot, the Egyptian chariots came and the waters crashed in. Do you know what they whipped out? They're tambourines. It's Old Testament. (laughs) It is Old Testament. I confirm that. You guys, Miriam broke out in song. They all, they sang this song, horse and rider thrown into the sea, yeah? I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea, woo-hoo! It goes real well with tambourine music, doesn't it? Yeah. You guys, they celebrated because God did something massive and set them free. It was one of these amazing God miracles. But walk with me back through their story. Just before that, do you know what happened? God told them, camp by the sea. It will provoke Pharaoh to come and attack you. Then when Pharaoh came and attacked them, do you know what they said? God, why is this happening? Where are you? I told you to camp by the sea and Pharaoh would attack. What? Anyway, they freaked out. Was God not in that too? What about the plagues that led to them being set free? Was God not in that? What about Joseph being placed second in charge? God was in that. Yeah? 
What about how he got there? Accused by Potiphar's wife? Falsely accused and then being thrown into prison. Was God not in that? Being sold into slavery, was God not in that? Being thrown into a pit by his brothers, was God not in that? When we have this amazing perspective of a full story, we can see God is in that. I want to kind of argue that there was no other way for Joseph to become second in charge. How else would God put one of his people in the top of the Egyptian kingdom? Certainly not by uh, thrusting him in there as a big hero. God brought him in through suffering. And can we say God was good in the pit and God was good in the prison and God was good in the accusation from Potiphar's wife? Because that led to another prison that was a bigger prison that would lead him to be second in charge of Egypt. We see God in the suffering. Do you think Joe knew what was going on when he was in prison for the second time? That's us. That's where we're at, right? We're in the midst of suffering and we don't know the end. And it's really nice to say that God will do something great out of your suffering. That's a nice thing to say. Can can I tell you? It does not help me to have people say that to me because the pain doesn't feel worth it. But if I say all of my days are his and he loves me in the midst of it all, that's the fuel that will get me through. And it's not just a logic, it's a relationship. An emotional relationship with Yahweh, the creator of the universe. You know, Our Lady and Jairus, it was really perfect timing. But in the midst of her suffering, she didn't know it was coming. She's my hero. She stayed soft to hear the Lord's voice, to tell her, today's your day. Let's go. Your healing is today. If she had had a hard heart towards the Lord, would she have heard him that day? I don't know. But I don't want to test that one out. (laughs) I want to stay soft before the Lord even on my worst days of pain. I want to stay unoffended and not so angry. He's fine with your offense and your anger, by the way. It doesn't mess him up at all. But if we let Satan be the king of it, we get tricked and we cut God off. So how about you? Do you have something boxed away? that Satan was king of and it hurts too much to talk about? Would you open the box and bring it out and bring it to him today? Or do you have a conflict between a loving God and an incredible suffering and you don't know how to even walk forward with him? Would you bring it to him today? He wants to be your shepherd in the valley of the shadow of death. 
we're going to spend some time talking to him right now. There's communion in front of you. Today we're going to use it as a symbol for saying, I give you my everything. I give you all of my days. I give you my suffering. Today we're making a stand against the enemy's lies. Suffering is not bad. Satan cannot be king. We're going to play a song. This is a song the Lord's been using in my life during this time. In your own time with the Lord, would you take communion? If you want to share it with someone beside you, if you want to share that process, feel free. But you can totally just do it on your own if you would like to as well. I know that this is a private issue. The private pain that we've been in for a lot of years, I don't want to make you parade that (laughs) out in front of everyone, but I think we all have something inside of us that doesn't exist in the same realm as God's goodness in our minds. What do you think? When we're done um, with communion, I'm going to pray. So don't, um, don't leave yet, okay?
Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Let him be your shepherd in your dark valleys. The worship team's going to come up and close in prayer. I mean, close in worship. And um, we've got a prayer team that's going to come forward. If you would like prayer and support for today's message, spend some time. Also, if you want prayer for healing, we would like to pray for that for an end to your suffering, because today could be your day. Maybe. So bring whatever you have to bring to the Lord. Father God, I'm so sorry that I defined suffering as bad. I'm so sorry that I took you off the throne and gave that territory to Satan. My life is yours. The good days, the bad days, you are sovereign. I trust you, I trust your love.